Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of Financial Planning Explained. I'm your host, Mike Menninger, certified financial planner, owner of Menninger & Associates Financial Planning. Um, today's guest is actually going to be uh, for the next two weeks, because there's no way in the world we could possibly get this done uh, in one week, and there's a lot of different topics within it. And it's family law. And as we all think of family law, unfortunately, or may not think of family law, we think of it as, unfortunately, it's the breaking up of a family, uh, sadly. And, you know, needless to say, as it pertains to financial planning, uh, nobody plans when they get married to get divorced. And if there's any one major disruption to someone's long term financial plan is getting divorced. And it's a sad thing. Unfortunately, I admit that I divorced, and it was a. So I hate divorce, but be that as it may, um, who I have here today is a partner in a law firm, uh, family law, in Pennsylvania. I have Serena Feynman, who is a partner of Vetrano, Vetrano, and Feynman. And welcome to today's show. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for having me. Um, it's my honor to be here. And and to your point of nobody plans for. Divorce, um, the, the reality is that not only do they not plan for it, when they get into the process, it can be a very paralyzing process. It can be a very difficult process. It's a very difficult place to be living in limbo, not knowing what the next phase of life is going to look oh, like. Yeah. Oh, and um, at my firm, we sort of approach family law, we approach divorces with the idea that we can help these people separate their family and still have respect for the family. Right. And there is a such thing out there as an amicable divorce, and we strive for that in, in most cases. And I say most because there's certainly a lot of cases where that's not possible for a variety right. of reasons. Right. Um, and that is one of the things I do pride myself on is there are a lot of family lawyers out there, um, and everybody probably knows someone who does some divorce or does some custody work or does some support. Um, and there's a lot of us out there, there's a lot of great litigators, and there's a lot of attorneys who are fabulous at settling cases. Right. The list is very narrow of those that are good at both and right. can morph from w within the case because simply by one party saying, I'm going to represent myself, that can change the course of the case. One party saying, I'm getting this lawyer versus I'm getting that lawyer. And the lawyers that are involved can really change the course of a case as well. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. When I went through mine, um, what, 12, 13 years ago, uh, I specifically went for someone who was low-key. You, know, you get the sharks, and, and, and I just didn't want someone like that because it was just too low-key for me. And, you know, I know, uh, and part of the reason why I say I hate divorce, aside from the financial piece, is it was, it, it tore me up. It tore me up. I can't imagine that it didn't tear up the children. Uh, it's, it's a very, uh, it's a painful process and nobody wants to fail and it's a sign of failure and it's embarrassing. There's a whole lot of different things. So divorce, we, I mean, we always say divorce is, is like death in a way and you've got to go through, it's the death of the marriage. Correct. Um, and you've got to go through those stages of grieving to get through it. 
And we help our clients to be able to do that. And, and one of the many ways to do that is not only to set them up with with others on the team. And when I say others on the team, I mean financial, you know, financial right. okay. pl planners, wealth managers like yourself, getting them an accountant, you know, getting them, um, you know, a realtor if they need it in a, in, in a case. So, I mean, we really have a, a breadth of knowledge and a network out there to be able to set people up for the next phase so they're not going it alone. That's good. That's good. And I could see that because, you know, we live to a great extent getting less in a patriarchal society where the husband did everything, the finances, the checking, and, and then all of a sudden the female is thrust into, I've never done this before, and what do I do now? And so I have a soft spot in my heart for that because when I went through mine, I was also uh, participating in counseling, uh, like group counseling, which I think is absolutely fantastic, and basically the only guy, and I can just see what, others were going through and you know so I have a soft spot for that as well as widows because they go through uh, the same thing but uh, it, it's good I didn't realize that I didn't think about that but that's great that you have those relationships that you can help your clients with and and they and those individuals who this is the first time that they're dealing with a lot of things, the finances, that's the day-to-day, -day, the big picture, planning for my future, uh, planning for my retirement, how close am I to retirement? Um, and those are the different approaches that we would take depending on, I'll say, the kind of divorce it is. So parties that have been married for 10 years and have two little children, the goal of that divorce isn't necessarily gonna be to set that individual up through their retirement. They have a lot of years left to, right work, get remarried potentially, um, get additional education. But the individual that's coming in and, and you know, I'll say the, the, the wife, the mother who did put her career on hold or had no career and, you know, they've been married for 30 years and right. she raised the children and she right. did everything, comes in and is almost, um, you know, and I've seen it many, many times through the years, when I'm asking certain questions, we'll, we'll feel and say, I'm embarrassed, I don't know that answer. And I, and I quickly say, and if I had your husband here and I asked him to name the teachers of all four of your children from kindergarten through 12th grade, he'd say, I gotta call my wife. Right. And <laughs> so you, in the best partnerships in the world, we all take on roles. And right. your role was, was one thing and his role was another you shouldn't be upset you should not be ashamed that you don't know these answers we'll get these answers I can get bank statements and find out the information I need I can get retirement account statements I don't need you to know the information but what I do make sure in those cases is when we do get to the point where we have all the information and we are at I call like the education process of saying okay here is what you have here's what comprises your marital estate is I will have those individuals come in and meet with me in person or Zoom, depending on the time yeah, right. that we're talking about, um, and go through with them a spreadsheet where I'm going through, these are the assets you have, these are the values that they hold from a marital perspective, um, and this is the bottom line. And we do all of that before we even talk about, okay, this is what a court might do. Here's a settlement proposal that we can make in terms of what the overall division is gonna look like, because the goal first is to say and to educate, this is what you have in right. these various arenas, cash, real estate, retirement, um, life insurance, so that there is some security and some knowledge, because they really do come in sometimes not knowing at all. Um, so there is that, and I do think once you're armed with the knowledge that, that gives, I think it, for them it's the first step 
to working maybe with all those other individuals in the future um, to feeling empowered and to taking back their lives, really. Power is a key word. You know, it's a very, I'm actually dealing with two sets right now where unfortunately uh, the female, the mother, the wife has taken 20 or 30 years off from her career and now she's thrust in a position where it's tough to start a career in your 50s when you don't have the experience and you haven't really worked much in the last 20 or 30 years. Meanwhile, the spouse is fine. You know, they're making two, $300,000 a year and division of assets down the middle is not always fair because the, the higher earning spouse can continue to earn well, and that is exactly, well, in Pennsylvania, we are not a community property state. And community property is right down the middle, 50-50. Right. Okay. We're an equitable distribution state. And so equitable is based on a series of factors under the law and factors such as the length of the marriage, the earnings abilities of the parties, who put their career and life sort of on hold hmm. while the other one increased their earning potential. Um, do they have separate estates that are not part of the marital estate that might come into play? You have one individual who's working and will have the ability for however many years to continue to save and continue to put away, while the other individual, even if they go out and get a job at their maximum potential, it's going to be paycheck to paycheck. They're not going to have the opportunity to put away. Absolutely. So that's exactly why someone in that situation might come and find themselves in the divorce inequitable distribution and getting a disproportionate share of the assets, like a 55% split or a 60% split. Um, but that'll all be de decided, determined, or agreed upon um, as sort of a package deal with right. what they're going to get as alimony post-divorce. I'll say this, this, the silver lining for those individuals who are going through divorce at that stage of life, and we call those sort of the gray divorces, or um, there's programs out there, and I've, I've done programs for our uh, primary CLE provider, the Pennsylvania Bar Institute, um, which is a, a arm of the Pennsylvania Bar, Associ Pennsylvania Bar Association, um, but what we, we call those like divorce over 50 or divorce over 60 uh, programs, the, the silver lining for those, those individuals is they really are just dealing with the equitable distribution, the alimony, right. and the, it's a financial, it's a right. financial deal. That's correct. Of course, there's emotions that come into it and, and certainly do. But, you know, the effective lawyers like myself, I will say, um, you know, bring people back to the reality of this is a financial decision. I'm not going to let you spend, you know, 10,000 on me to litigate something to, to fight about the old rocking chair because you rocked your four kids in that. Right. You know, we're, I'll go get you a different rocking chair. Like we're not going to get hung up on those types of things because we've got to see the forest through the trees. And, you know, I let them, everyone needs to be heard and you've got to let them be heard. But it, but you also have to rein them back in and say, it's, it's a validate. I, I, I hear you. I get it. I'm a mom. I have a mom. <laughs> I have right. a mother. You know, I mean, I, I get it. I, I feel for you. But these are the factors that the court's going to apply. The equitable distribution court is going to be looking at these factors. And they're, they're not going to care that your, your husband decided one day out of the clear blue for no good reason to, to get a divorce and that he wants now to marry someone who's, you know, the same age as your daughter, <laughs> you know, and, and that happens, but th there is no factor for that. Right, right, right. You know, he gets to have a divorce. The divorce code of 1980, <laughs> it's been a long time 
and you don't need a reason for a divorce. It's no fault in Pennsylvania. So okay, so that varies by state. You know, um, it varies by state, but I, 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 sh I don't even think there's any states any longer that, that don't have no-fault divorce. Um, but, okay. Yeah, but so Pennsylvania is a no-fault state. Um, and has been since 1980. So in that in that sense, there is, doesn't have to be a reason. That husband can get up one morning and just say, I just don't want to be married to you anymore. Same as that wife can get up and say the same exact thing. So it's hard, and it's hard to get somebody over the line. The silver lining to that is those kids are grown. Right. So we are not dealing with, in those cases, interim issues of custody and yeah. child support. Right, right, right. Um, you know, those are the cases where you have the younger marriages of people divorcing 10, 15 years in. Um, you know, they get that classic seven-year itch, and that's, you know, between seven to 10 years is when you see a lot of uh, people, you know, getting divorced at that point. You're dealing with a, a whole other set of issues while we're not setting those people up for their retirement and this is what you're going to have and here's your pot and here's your pile for the rest of your life. Right. Um, we are certainly dealing with custody. We're dealing with support in the interim. We're dealing with, you know, post-divorce uh, support. We are still dealing with equitable distribution. I'm, I'm not suggesting that we're not, but um, the goals are different. And those cases generally will kick off with a custody agreement or a custody case where you're going to court, and those can be certainly the gut, most gut-wrenching. That's a little harder to rein your client in to say, if I say, Mike, put a price on how much you're willing to spend on me to fight for one more day with your children, you're going to tell me time with my kids is priceless. Right. So that's a very, that's, a, that's harder to wrangle in. If I say to you, Mike, we can spend money and go to the support trial, but even in your best case scenario, you're only going to get $200 more a month, and that's $2,400 more a year, you're going to spend way more than that on me, that's, that's easy. That's a business choice. You right. go, well, I'm not going to spend that. doesn't make any sense, Serena. Right, Why right, would right. I do that? Right. Um, and so that's where it becomes, I mean, that's, that's the very emotional part is, I mean, the custody for sure. Oh, there's no doubt. One thing that you brought up in the first uh, portion is you almost made it sound it was subjective that well you know sometimes it might be 50 percent it might be 55 it might be 60. can you elaborate more on like who makes the decision is it the courts that make the decision is it because you know what pushes it to one direction or the other sure so um every as i said there's the equitable distribution equitable distribution right. factors that right. are applied. There are similar um, factors for alimony post-divorce. Now, there's different terminology. So you have support for a spouse while a divorce is pending. And right. that could be called spousal support right. or alimony pendente lite. Right. We call that APL right. uh, for short. So that's based on a guideline calculation, much like child support while right. a divorce is pending. Post-divorce, when we're coming up with that package of equitable distribution and post-divorce alimony, there are factors. And in the first segment, I talked a little bit about what some of those factors were. Um, and of course, not all of the factors are relevant to every single case. A lot of this is knowing the audience. And you asked, who makes these decisions? So the court makes the decision if you can't reach a resolution right. and you can't um, come to an agreement. Of course, an agreement is the best way. It, 
these people have to deal with each other in some capacity for the rest of their lives, even those that have the grown children. Because I tell my clients all the time, um, your children, I hope, don't cease to exist at 18 years old. Right. And so you have weddings for those children. You have grandchildren. You have lots of college graduations. I mean, you have a lot of life left to live as co-parents to these even adult children. Um, and you want to, you know, try to be as, as dignified and respectful in the divorce process as you can be so that you can preserve that working relationship, whatever it's going to look like right. um, in the future. So that you can be in the same room because little children, adult children, children that are parents of their own children, there's nothing more that they hate than having to, to, to do everything twice. Oh, I graduated college. Oh, I'll have my dinner with my mom and right. then I'll have my dinner with my dad. Um, so it's nice when people can really, you know, try to do the, some of those things together and they can be in the same room and it, it sets that tone. So of course an agreement is always preferred, but if you get hung up and when I say get hung up, you know, it could be an issue. It might not be, you know, as family lawyers, um, we, we are litigators in the sense that we have to go to court. Sometimes it's not the big proceeding. It's not a five-day trial. It could be I'm going to a master's hearing. I'm going to a conference. I'm, you know, and sometimes that can be used to get some feedback that both lawyers then can take back to the clients and say, okay, we were, we were, we were hung up on this particular issue. We ran it by the hearing officer or the master, depending on where you are, what they call them, um, and we, we get some feedback. And that sometimes can help to resolve a case. Yeah. So the, the, the goal, too, is, you know, in people hiring me, I go to, so I'm, you know, I practice in Pennsylvania. As you know, um, I, my office is in Montgomery County. I'm in King of Prussia. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's my home county. That's where I'm active in the Montgomery Bar Association. I'm the president-elect right now. I'll be the president of the Montgomery Bar Association. Congratulations in, in 20, advance. In 2022. Um, and so that's my home county. But I practice just as readily in Chester County, Delaware County, right. Philadelphia, Bucks, Berks, Lehigh. Um, I've even gone as far as Monroe County before. Um, Where's that? That's like all the way up by <laughs> Pittsburgh, far. isn't it? No, Erie. I've been to Erie, and that's up by Pittsburgh. Yeah, okay. Yes, but that I didn't have to go to Erie. We settled that. But, so, so knowing, I mean, I will say this. Every county has their own nuances. People are shocked to find that out. I was going to ask that as you um, beat me they, to the punch. They, they do have their own nuances, and they have their own proclivities, and different masters will, will go to different you know, favor certain things. And, you know, like I'll say, you know, the deal that you might get with the same set of facts in Chester County might be different than the deal you're going to get in Montgomery County. What drives that? Is it, um, I would say, the attorney general of the particular county, uh, the judges? Uh, what drives the nuances between one county and another? So it, it mostly would be the masters and how they are viewing it. Now, I will say there's generally consistency among the masters within a county. So it's not like you're going to go to Chester County and we have, there's three equitable distribution uh, masters. Now we're calling them hearing officers. That's right. a newer development. But um, the, 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 there was three of them there and they're pretty consistent with how they handle cases and, and certain calls that they'll make on certain issues. And, um, so, you know, with that set of facts that we've been talking about, about that individual, that woman who's, you know, 30 year marriage and hasn't worked in 30 years right. and raised the children. And, you know, maybe the most she can get out there and earn if she's going to get a job, depending on her age, if she's even going to be required to get a job. Um, or required to be assigned an earning capacity, even if she doesn't get the job, 
that, you know, those set of facts in Chester County might get her a higher disproportionate share, a longer duration of alimony. There are other counties sometimes where they're known to necessarily not give as much alimony or not give it for as long of a duration. A lot of people like to approach the alimony um, as, oh, well, I get one year of alimony for every three years of marriage. Right, I've heard that. I've heard a that. lot of people have heard that. Now, Bucks County will apply that hard and fast. That is their you, one year of alimony. It's not for a every, guideline. You know, they, they apply right. that hard and fast. Okay. The other counties don't necessarily do that, but they use it as a guide for sure. And there could be extenuating circumstances that make them go more or that make them go less. And that will be impacted based on the size of the estate. Um, you know, in, in a situation where there is a $10 million estate and both parties are getting, you know, at least five, you know, five million each, right. that's probably, as long as everything's not tied up in, in ventures that nobody can access right. um, and there is some liquidity to it, you know, that's prob that's not probably going to be an alimony case again, but you got to look at what, what are, what are the incomes and is there right. an individual still working? You know, you've got to look at the, um, so, so it is. I say that's why people hire me because I know what the masters or the judges are going to do. I go to these counties. That I helps. speak on programs. I know what I know what they're going to do. So when a client comes to me and says, you know, hey, I want to push, I want to push. I think I should get seventy percent of this estate. And I look at them and I say, well, you're not going to get that. You want to keep going and going. We can keep going and going. It's you know it, that's that's your call. But you're going to spend money you're most likely not going to get the result you want and you're going to be unhappy. And my hot tip always on that when I'm talking to younger lawyers and newer lawyers is if you are stuck in that situation and you stay in the case, just make sure you get your retainer up front because they're not going to be happy in the end. You're right. Exactly. And they're not going to want to pay you because they're not going to like the result, but they were never going to like the result because they wanted something that was not based in in reality or, right. or, or what the court was going well, to ever do. So it's funny you say that. Um, <laughs> I've actually came across in mine with the master, and it was she was known as Mindy the Man Hater. Okay, I had her. But the question that I really wanted to ask you, back up, that is why I also sought out an attorney who was laid back and practical because one of the concerns that I had is if you had two pit bulls going against each other, while I agree that you know, the one attorney is there to represent and get the best deal for theirs, the other rep is representing to get the best deal, but if the two attorneys can't come to terms, and that's what I really like about you, you're so practical, you like to teach, and, and you're much more involved in part of it as opposed to the pit bull attorney. The question I have is, um, let's say I'm married and I live in Delaware County, and I decide to move out and I go to Montgomery County. Is it Delaware or Montgomery or is it based upon who files? So the, the, the easy answer, the quick answer is it's going to be the mar where the marital home is located. So okay. it's going to be in Delaware County in okay. that situation. Okay. But if everybody moves out of Delaware County, Delaware County, listen, the counties are very inundated with cases all around. Right. No county is going to keep a case where nobody lives there. They're going to they're gonna punt that as fast as they can, oh, right, 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 and right. they're going to reduce their docket. Right. But, um, but generally speaking, it's going to be where the marital domicile is, what right, we okay. call that, is, is going to be. Now, if you move out, and you live in Montgomery County for two years before anybody moves forward, and you came to meet with me, and we were weighing the facts of the case, I would say to you at that point, because 
she had enough time to have filed. It's been sufficient time past the time of separation. And so I would say, listen, we could, you know, we could pick. And so representing you, we might say, hey, let's file in Montgomery County for these reasons might be more beneficial to you or for, no, we want to file in Delaware County right. because if that might be more beneficial to you. So, right. you know, we have to look at what the what the facts and circumstances are of each case. But generally, you, you don't you know, it's rare that you do get that opportunity to to forum shop. Yeah, right. Um, and that, it, it, you know, because they are generally, it's it's the marital domicile. If it's happening in, you know, a reasonable amount of time within like six months after separation, then that's what you're, you know, generally going to have okay. to yeah, okay. do. Well, we are wrapping up. We're going to have to pick this up next week. But what we're going to talk about next week is I um, want to get into a little more of the monetary piece. We'll talk about um, division of assets, things to think about, um, alimony, things to think about. And the tax laws changed. So now, instead of alimony being tax deductible to the giver and taxable to the receiver, they flip that. And I have some questions that I want to ask you about that. So um, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> good, good. And I'm looking forward to coming back next week. And we're going to pick this up kind of where we left off. We're going to go into some other topics. Um, you know, so Serena uh, Feynman, I thank you very much for coming here this week. And we're going to pick this back up. And uh, thank you for tuning in with us, and we will see you next week. And again, I'm your host, Mike Menninger, certified financial planner of our show, Financial Planning Explained. I look forward to seeing you next week. Have a great week.